Welcome to the Wellness and Wanderlust podcast. We're here to demystify wellness and help you add a little adventure to your life. Tune in for a new episode every week where we'll hear from incredible guests and talk about ways to be happier and healthier in our new normal. I'm your host, Valerie Moses. Let's get started. Hey everyone, Valerie here with another exciting episode of Wellness and Wanderlust. Thank you for joining me today and for being part of this podcasting adventure. It's been a wild ride so far, and I'm so grateful to all of you for your energy and for your support, whether you're a brand new listener tuning in for the first time or you've been here from the beginning. Now, before we go any further into today's episode, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Vivu. Vivu is an at-home wellness tracker that gives you personalized recommendations based on your hydration, ketones, pH levels, white blood cells, liver and kidney function, and more. They've also added some new parameters to their app, like oxidative stress and magnesium, so I'm really excited to check out the new tests. Here's how it works. You download the free Vivu app, pee on one of the sticks provided, and scan it into the app to receive your tips based on your health goals, dietary preferences, and more. The advice is really tailored to our individual needs, so I was able to include in my profile that I'm gluten-free, so the app will never tell me to consume gluten. If I wanted to get into ketosis, the app would notate that and change up my parameters accordingly. So it's a really cool tracker, and we actually had Vivu's founder, Mariah Typhoon, on episode 26 of the show if you'd like to learn more. Now, if you'd like to try Vivu for yourself, listeners will get 20% off your purchase with code VALERIE20. That's Valerie, V-A-L-E-R-I-E, 20. And I've linked everything in the show notes as well. Okay, on to today's topic. We're chatting about all things breakups. Now, most of us have gone through at least one difficult breakup in our lives, and some may be currently experiencing that heartbreak. But even though most of us go through it, it can still feel like such a lonely and isolating experience. In this week's episode, we'll hear from Sarah Mack, a certified life coach who helps women navigate difficult breakups and create space for what comes next. We talk about getting over your ex, how our attachment styles and our childhood play into our relationships, good and bad, how to use your single time to manifest something new, and how to become more comfortable with being single, especially at a time when it feels like everyone is coupling up. I loved chatting with Sarah, and I know you're going to enjoy this one. So without further ado, let's hear from Sarah Mack. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us at Wellness and Wanderlust. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I'm excited to have you on. This is a topic near and dear to my heart and one we really have not gotten into on the show before. Before we really get into today's topic, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about you? Yes. So I am a breakup and relationship coach, and I really help women move on from their exes, move on from their past relationships and get to a place where they're thriving in their single lives so that they can ultimately attract a better relationship if that's what they want. But I work mostly with single women and it's just getting them to a place that they're confident and empowered in their most highest self. I love that. I think in order to get to that partner that is the right one for us, we have to be in that place. And I think this is something that, you know, service that is so much needed, especially among women in this age group. I'd love to know a little bit more about how you decided to become a relationship and breakup coach. Yes. So the catalyst was my first breakup, which was now about 11 years ago. It was during in college. It was my first love and it was a good relationship. It was a healthy, just innocent first love that once it ran its course and we we knew we needed to end it, we just didn't really know how. We didn't know how to let go of each other. And so that went on for about a year and a half. And it was just, it became very toxic to where we knew we needed to let each other go, but we didn't know how. We were all each other new and we really did love each other, but it became a really toxic breakup. And it it was a traumatic experience for me. And it was definitely, I feel like it was my inner awakening and my launching pad to my self-development because I just had become someone that I didn't know. And I was acting like this person because I was in so much pain and he was in so much pain. And we were, we both had just become really terrible versions of ourselves. And I didn't understand why a love could turn into something so ugly. And that was a big eye-opening experience for me. And so finally, we were able to let go and move on. 
but I really started to dig deep and study myself. And I was very curious about relationships in general and why our relationship had gone so sour and why so many do. So I really dug into my past, my childhood, and why do we act like children when we're going through a breakup? And that's when I started to learn, oh, we act like children because our subconscious develops when we're the age of zero to seven. So I was carrying a lot of pain from my childhood that it was like a wound that had opened with this first breakup experience. And I'm just so fascinated by that. I'm so fascinated that we carry so much from our childhood and then we're taking it into our intimate relationships. And we're essentially picking these relationships. We're acting out like children, because we have so much pain from our past. So basically for the past decade, that set me off on my journey and my curiosity of breakups and relationships and love. And I've studied and read all these psychology books. And on top of that, my dad is a divorce attorney. And so I grew up working in his office. Every summer I worked in his office. I was around a lot of toxic divorces, seeing these relationships ending and just seeing people at their worst. It is really, it's a terrible time. It's a traumatic thing to to experience and especially when children are involved. So I was always just a naturally curious person and I would ask myself, why are some relationships lasting? Why do some marriages end and some don't? And I've just always been very curious. So I kind of feel like it's my life mission to figure it out. Like why? (laughs) What's the answer? Because I want to get married. I want to have a healthy partnership and relationship. However, the divorce rate is so high. So how do we get there? And that's all tied up into my mission. (laughs) That was a long answer. No, I love that. And first of all, talking about that first relationship, I went through something very, very similar when I was in college and, uh, you know, my first love, and it was so hard to, um, you know, to say goodbye. I wish that I had kind of put some of that into self-development. Instead, I rebounded into a very toxic relationship for a couple of years after that. But I think, you know, when you're so right that we do act like children in a breakup, I see some of the behaviors that some of the things I've done when a relationship wasn't going well, or even, you know, as it was ending, or maybe on and off and some Mm -hmm. of the things that I've personally done. And I think myself as, you know, a nice, compassionate person, I think I'm pretty easy to deal with. And then I see some of, you know, the behavior, some of the things I've said, and it's certainly not one sided. Mm-hmm. but you act like someone you don't recognize and it's definitely not the best for it's you know in many ways I've had relationships where it brought out the worst in me and it can be difficult seeing that so many of these marriages do end in divorce you see so much on Facebook and Instagram we see our friends getting married and how happy everybody is on that day and so mm-hmm. and most of the time I think the relationship does not start out in that toxic way it just certain things may lead to that Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's a lot there, like what you said about certain behaviors that we do in relationship, or especially in breakup. It's like, whoa, where did that come from? <laughs> That's yeah, how my first experience was. And I told myself, I never want to go through that again. I never want to act like that again. I can experience pain, but I've learned how to handle it differently. So it's just, yeah, becoming self aware and showing up differently. And I really think, like you mentioned, a lot of relationships start out great because we're all high on dopamine. And then Mm -hmm. (laughs) if we're not doing the inner work and we're not self-aware enough, that's where we start running on autopilot and why relationships do go downhill. So it's really just all tied into our inner work and our inner psyche and becoming self-aware, doing the work, showing up differently, not succumbing to your pain and your wounds, because we all have them. We all have those wounds that, and a lot of people probably don't even know they're there until they get touched or they, they won't let anyone touch them. And we carry them relationships. That's why they're our biggest learning opportunities through relationships. 
I think that's such a great point, the learning opportunity that's there. I, I joke sometimes that I'm getting too much character development. Yeah. From <laughs> but at the same time, you know, because I would get upset sometimes because you have you have your friends that met their childhood sweetheart and got married or met someone in college and they're together. And mm-hmm. it can be easy to kind of compare to those situations. And sometimes I'll ask myself, well, why do I have to learn this lesson that mm-hmm. so-and-so doesn't? But at the same time, it is it is growing us and we are learning more and more about ourselves. And, you know, you talked about the childhood, how that plays into our relationships. And it's something I've really been reflecting on personally lately. I'm starting to think about my personal, I am an anxious attachment style. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to know how, how does our childhood and, you know, what we've experienced, how does that play into our attachment styles and how we show up in relationships, good and bad? Yeah, so a lot of research says that it all goes back to attachment. And there's three main attachment styles. So anxious, like you mentioned, avoidant, and secure. And those are mostly formed by the age of five. So depending on how our care, our main caretakers interacted with us, we've developed these, our, basically our nervous system. Like how do we handle, how do we feel about safety? Do we feel safe around other people? And we have that by the age of five. And we don't learn about this stuff. Like we don't, (laughs) we're not taught these things really. Luckily, you know, there's so much more out there now, but it is how you're showing up in relationships and it is what you're attracted to. So a lot of times we want to recreate what we experienced as children because that's what we know and that's what feels safe. So if you grew up with maybe a parent that was maybe not consistent or neglected you, you couldn't really depend on them being there for you, you may have developed an anxious attachment. And I don't mean you personally, but I'm saying in general, anyone. And then you want to create that dynamic when you're with a partner because that's what you know. And it's also our brain trying to reaffirm what we know. So it's kind of like this self-fulfilling prophecy of, oh, this is how the world works. And this feels like normal. And so I posted a TikTok on this last week about like when you get the butterflies or you feel the spark, you feel chemistry, that could be a sign that you're basing your attraction based off of trauma from childhood or your attachment with your parents. So it's kind of like if you're anxious, you feel maybe butterflies, uncertain, but we we take that as, oh, this is this is love. I'm really attracted to him. And it's it's just mm-hmm. like it's totally misconstrued. And it's just so important to really take a step back, examine our feelings, what's really going on, rather than saying, oh, I feel this way. I feel like butterflies. So this must be my person, which I think is is very common in dating world. On the other end, avoidant, I'm more of an avoidant and love can feel kind of suffocating or you you feel like you equate love to equal a lack of independence. So you need your freedom and you don't get that in relationships. So you tend to push people away. Avoidance tend to end relationships more often. And that would mean that maybe your parent was enmeshing you. It was an enmeshed relationship or they were kind of smothering. So avoidance tend to, yeah, feel that smothering sensation. And the goal is to become secure and and you're not set in stone for life. You you change and evolve and you work through it and you can be in a relationship and you can be anxiously attached and become more secure if two people are working together on it. So it plays a lot. It plays a big role. (laughs) (laughs) And I would imagine too, that being with the right person, you can become a little more secure in that too, because I tend to be drawn. I I love a red flag and yeah, (laughs) you know, (laughs) Yes, But a lot of my relationships, I will say that college relationship, that was a lot more secure overall, but just fundamental differences in who we were. But a lot of times I am drawn to that avoidant personality mm-hmm. and that avoidant style. And 
it does not go very well because then, you know, one person is suffocating the other, even though in my personal life, I am usually very independent. I love my space. I'm an introvert. But when I have been in relationships with those avoidant attachment styles, I definitely become a different person than mm-hmm. who, who I typically think of myself as. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you, you won't really see two avoidance together. It's usually, you know, an opposites attract in that in that respect. But yeah, it depends. It depends on the other person, depends on who you're with. I've definitely altered depending on who I was with. So yeah, it's, it's good to be aware. I would definitely good to be aware. Absolutely. I think that the more that we are aware, the better we can avoid some of the difficult situations in the future. And we can maybe figure out where the red flags are before, because I definitely am someone who I love, I love the butterflies, but Mm -hmm. sometimes that's love bombing. Sometimes that's, Mm-hmm. not what we think it is and definitely that anxiety. So I'd love to know for anyone that's dealing with a difficult breakup, I think it can be such a lonely process, especially at the age that, you know, the majority of our listeners are in their twenties, thirties, and forties. It's a time when we're seeing a lot of our friends in serious long-term relationships, getting married. I have very few friends who actually are single at our age currently. So going through a breakup can be especially lonely and difficult. And it may even be bringing out some of that side of us that we don't like that we've talked about. What advice do you have for someone first starting to navigate that breakup? Yes, I think I'm one of my only single friends too. (laughs) First of all, if you're going through a breakup, I think it's important to be very aware of some things that are normal. So having that physical reaction, having anxiety, ruminating on the past, overthinking, maybe you ended the relationship yourself. And so you're questioning whether you made the right decision or not. First of all, being aware that these things are normal, because when we're in a relationship, we develop that attachment. And doesn't matter whether you're you were broken up with or you ended the relationship your your brain is still attached and so when we all of a sudden end that relationship it is the same process of withdrawal from a drug so someone who has a drug addiction the same area in the brain lights up when we are going through a breakup so I know it's painful and just knowing that it's normal, like it's okay to feel that pain. It's going to pass because when you're going through it, it can feel like the loneliest time and you can feel like, yeah, I, I think rumination comes up most often, especially in women. So just knowing that's normal and that's why connection is so important because when we are feeling these symptoms, we automatically want to reach back out to our ex because that's the person we're closest with. That's the person we confide in. And that's not always the best decision because then we start connecting for the wrong reasons because we know how to make each other feel better. It's just what you're used to. So it's so important to connect with your friends and family during this time or find a support group. There are so many support groups. Find any group of people try to connect with them because we don't want to fall back or stay stuck in their relationship for the wrong reasons and I always say journaling so getting clear on just kind of taking a deep dive into the relationship taking inventory how you were feeling where were you compromising did you kind of change yourself in any way were you wearing any masks in the relationship What did you like? What didn't you like? Why did it end? What part did you play? I think where we take accountability is so important because ultimately, if we can take accountability in our past relationships, then that's where we can start to examine and show up differently in our future relationships. So if you do want to call in a new relationship in the future, it's so important the work you do now and just knowing that the pain will pass, you will find someone again. And I mean, my belief is always it's going to be better. The next relationship will be better if you do the work and you're taking accountability and yeah, diving deep in your healing process so that you know you can get clear on what what you do want and what you do need. And eventually the pain will start to subside. Those are my main tips. And then you'll get to a point where maybe you're not crying as much every day 
or you don't think about it every second of the day. And I'm really focused on future visioning. So getting to a place where you're excited about your future again and what you want. And this is what I do with my my coaching, one-on-one coaching. So yeah, it's just getting to a place where you design your future. And I call it the sweet spot where you're not thinking about your ex anymore. You're not really sad. You've kind of accepted and you're letting it go. And now you're in this place of peace and you can create and attract whatever you want in life. And I just think when you do the work, you get to this place where your future can be a blank canvas and you get to decide what you want. What path do you want to go down? What have you neglected in the past that you now want to pursue? And honestly, it's my favorite spot to be. I think that's why I love being single because I feel like I'm so excited about the life that I'm creating. And so that's what I help other women with is getting to that place. It's like having this inner knowing that, yeah, this sucks, but it's happened. It's a blessing. It's happened for a reason. And I don't want to sound like a cliche, like, oh, everything happens for a reason. But what other choice do you have? We can sit and sulk about it, or we can accept that, hey, something better is coming. And it is. So it's, yeah, it's going through the, (laughs) the phases. It's like pain and grief, And you keep showing up every day a little bit more and then it subsides a little bit and then you get to this place of peace and freedom. And it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. It's up and down. You will have a good day and then the next day you may have a bad day. And that does not mean that you took 10 steps back. That actually means you're doing it right. That means that you're going through the grieving process because you are grieving. Mm -hmm. And the goal is to come to a place of acceptance. And it takes time and work and commitment. I'm so glad you brought up the point too that it's a lot like withdrawal Mm-hmm. because it can be so hard to I've, I've had breakups that did not stick and it took months mm-hmm. to end them or you know you're on off on off usually if you end once there's probably a reason for mm-hmm. it that's pretty fundamental um maybe unless you were a kid or something like that you know maybe high school relationship might be a little bit different but ultimately there is a reason that things end whether both people are just good people that it didn't work out with or maybe there's something a little bit more and maybe it is a toxic relationship and i found for me definitely that journaling has been so huge just writing that down and being a little bit more accountable to myself about what my responsibility was in everything Mm-hmm. What what did I accept that I shouldn't have accepted? Because I had a lot of non-negotiables that I negotiated on in mm-hmm. past relationships. And you feel that feeling of stuckness, but at the same time, you love them and you want it to work out. And now knowing that I'm not stuck anymore, I can do what I want. And that energy, everything is, my, my life is open now for something so much better. And yeah, focusing on that future. I think ultimately that time with friends has been the number one for me, just really reconnecting. Cause I think also in our relationships, we tend to neglect our non-romantic relationships and that really doesn't serve us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think our friends always know when maybe we've gone through a breakup because we start texting them more and (laughs) they can probably sense it. But I love what you said about your non-negotiables. That is so important. It's so, and that's why we have relationships. That's why relationships can, they're such a beautiful thing because we learn what we want. We learn what we need in relationship and you take what you learn, take as much as you learn, look at everything as data. If you're going through a breakup, use that as data. That is telling you what you need in your next relationship and where you do not want to compromise anymore. And that's just honoring and and loving yourself enough to honor those non-negotiables. But it's definitely, it is, it's hard because you do, we do fall in love and then we compromise and, you know, we think, oh, maybe I can Maybe I, maybe I don't need this as much as I thought I did. And that's why I think it's so important for us to be intentional when kind of before we fall in love. And it's easier said than done. But if you are single and you are dating, just being intentional about what you do want. Because falling in love a lot of times is, again, like we talked about the attachment from childhood. And 
maybe what we think is love is not necessarily love. And it's really is just that dopamine because we need connection. So of course, if we're hanging out with someone enough and we're cuddling with them and we're getting, you know, we're touching another human, then we're getting that dopamine hit and we think it's love. And then we get stuck in relationships that maybe we're giving up too many of our needs. So it's very important being intentional and clear about what you want. Yeah. And I think with those non-negotiables, there's such a difference between someone who thinks, well, I need a guy who's six foot five and all of these things. And then you meet someone who's great and they're not a hundred percent to what you were looking for, but it's something still great, you know, which is maybe a physical difference or they have a different career than you would have thought of or something like that. But when it's something fundamentally different in who you are and how you approach problems and how you think about the world. I mean, we can be different from the people that we're with. And I love Mm -hmm. having people around me that think differently and can challenge me. But when your whole morality and approach to life is just so drastically different and those attachment styles too being so drastically different and in an insecure way, I think, you know, that just leads to problems down the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know we all, we have our list of, you know, our wish list for what we want. I would encourage people to really challenge, challenge their wish list into how they feel. How do they want to feel with this person? And not, I think a lot of people end up with people that they would, they don't look like what they thought they would. And it's really comes down to this this feeling and connection that we we build with someone. But yeah, that's that's a whole other can to open is getting into the dating scene and wanting wanting certain physical attributes. Yeah, that's it's really not not love. <laughs> yeah. But we're human, we're human. We it, I think we all do it. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, everybody has a type and whether or not And the funny thing is I had a psychic not too long ago telling me that my person is, she, she laughed and she said, I normally don't see any physical attributes, but he's a little shorter than you might think. And now I'm, now I'm sitting here thinking, is he shorter as in he's not six feet taller? (laughs) Because I'm five foot two. So yeah, I'm not too, you know, I'm not snobby about height, Mm -hmm. but now I'm like, oh my gosh, is he five foot two also? (laughs) You know, I've been thinking about it a lot, but you know, but, but you're so right. And that, you know, someone could look different than we expect them to. They might have some differences in character, but they still might be compatible with you. And just in a different way that you might not have expected. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, I think I think being open to the fact that they could be different than you expected, but also having the non-negotiables as well, that there are certain things that you just won't put up with or things that you don't want to have in that next relationship. I certainly have not held up my end of that a lot of times with with my own where I've stayed in situations that I knew I would never be okay with my friends being in Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but at the same time you feel that loyalty and so I'm really glad that you talk about that dopamine and all of that because I think that's a lot more powerful than than we think it is and we'll beat ourselves up that well how can why can't I quit this person and I have found in relationships and in breakups that the longer that I'm apart where I don't physically see them in person, the easier it does get. Once you see them again and spend any kind of time with them or Mm -hmm. anything like that, that kind of opens up the old wound. But taking that time apart and not being in the same room with them can, I think, make it a little bit easier. It still takes time, obviously, and there are anniversaries and dates and places you might go or you might think of it during that grieving process, which I do think we need to give credit to that it is a grieving process. Yeah, some people, some coaches or breakup experts will say, you know, don't talk for 30 days or don't talk for 60 days. And I mean, I agree with that. Generally, I would say things are not always so black and white. So I know people that break up and it's amicable and they both accept that this is what needed to happen. And they'll check in maybe every couple weeks and say, hi, I hope you're doing well. And I think that's fine. I think, I think if one person is hung up on the breakup, they're having a hard time moving on and letting go, then it's critical for that person to not communicate because really like a drug, it's, it's getting another hit. So that's, where I think you have to use your own um, discernment if you 
if you're going through a breakup on where you are at in the process. And if you're really having a hard time moving on, you're really missing your ex, which again is normal. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) You do do your best not to see them, not to have contact with them. And I know it depends on the scenario. You know, some people share children and they have to see each other. So in those cases, I would just keeping the emotion out of it, making it very factual, platonic, and almost like business, to be honest, because our emotions just, it's, they can be very, very tricky. And it's, yeah, it's important. I think if you're, if two people are going through a breakup, it's almost like you need a contract between each other. If you want to have a healthy breakup to decide how you're going to handle it. And I've done this with exes where we, you know, the relationship ran its course and we really, really cared and loved and respected each other. And I don't want to wish, I want them to be able to move on and I want to move on. So we decide, okay, we shouldn't follow each other on social media. I don't want to see your story, but maybe, you know, we can catch up over the phone every couple months and, you know, you can really care and love love someone and wish them the best from afar. But, but the breakup should be about you. It should be about your healing and all the focus needs to be on your healing. So I know it can be painful to kind of go cold turkey and to completely cut someone off. But that's not to say that's forever. You know, you never know what the future holds. You never know if you could be a, get to a place where you can go get a coffee with your ex and catch up. You just don't know what the future holds. All you know is right now is you need to heal. And it's so important. And I know there's so many triggering things that are triggering, like, yeah, they're, maybe their birthday or holidays or, um, I don't know, a TV show that reminds you of them. There's, you're going to, it's, it's everywhere. There's going to be reminders everywhere. (laughs) But yeah, I would just really encourage everyone to do their best to not use it as an excuse to connect or reach out because that is like, again, a relapse. Mm -hmm. I've definitely fallen into that. And that's why I do think, you know, what you said about how the breakup really needs, your breakup needs to focus on you. You can't be worried about the other person. And Mm -hmm. I've certainly, yeah, like followed into the trap of worrying about how he's doing because his coping mechanisms aren't great and I'm clearly well adjusted or, you know, what have you, maybe Mm -hmm. I'm not, but, Mm -hmm. you know, but you worry. And especially I think a lot of us end up in that kind of caretaker role in our relationships where we're worried about everybody else and you're Mm -hmm. almost approaching it from, you know, taking care of them throughout the breakup when it's really you that you need to focus on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that we think we're doing the right thing when we like check on our ex and, you know, we really care about them, but it's, it's almost, it's hurting them more than it, than it's helping them. And it's hurt. It's hurting us too, because we're opening up old wounds. Yeah. I think I've done this in the past, you know, where I've, I've, I've done that. It's normal. Everyone wants to, especially if you're the one ending it or you're maybe the one that's moving on quicker. Maybe you feel bad or you feel guilty, but it can really turn around and bite you because if once they start to move on, you might be like, well, I wasn't moving on. So why are you moving on? And then you kind of start to, you can kind of start to resent them. So that that's another scenario that's coming to my mind. Definitely. I I just think in general, most of the time cutting off that communication, at least for a while until you are both in a better place is going to be healthy. I have my, my very first relationship in college that was a few months where we were friends for a long time first, you know, we still keep in touch, but it was never that serious. Mm -hmm. And one relationship a few years ago where it, it wasn't, a horrible breakup. It just, it really just didn't work out. And over time, we are able to talk to each other without those romantic feelings coming up. Mm-hmm. But I certainly could not have done that right when everything was ending. And I certainly still could not do that with certain relationships that I've had. It's just they either ran their course or, you know, it does bring up certain old feelings or it's just not even appropriate at this point. Mm-hmm. So to kind of realize that someone else is out there if we want them to be. And, you know, some people don't want a relationship and that's totally fine too. But I'd I'd love to know as well, because I think we really identify ourselves with the relationships that we're in. 
and you know you're half of a partnership almost and it can be hard to see yourself as that individual without that person by your side especially if you pictured them to be around long term or marriage or any of that so how do we become more comfortable with being single mm-hmm. especially at a time in our lives when you have the relatives and the people around you you know you're such a great catch why don't you have anyone mm-hmm. and you know and it's looked at often societally as a negative. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm like, I don't get it. I don't get why people aren't embracing this time more. Mm-hmm. And I that's a lot of what I talk about. It's a lot of my messaging. And it's just shifting the mindset around being single. So it's I think it's such a gift. It's such a sacred time because if you do want a relationship, if you do want a partner, you will get one. They will come. Like if that's what you want, they will come. So once they're here, they're here. Like if you and you know, if you commit and intend and marry and want to stay with someone forever, like forever is a very, very long time. And I don't think <laughs> don't think people really take that in. I think people see marriage and a wedding as the, this destination that we have to get to, but they don't realize that that's when the work actually starts. It's like, now you're, you're with this person and you've committed to them forever. And I think that's so beautiful. I think marriage is so beautiful if that's what you want. But take your time because you will do everything with this person. Like if you want to have children, you're going to be up in the middle of the night debating who's changing the diaper with this person. You're going to experience deaths and grieving and job losses. You're going to experience everything under the sun with this other human being. So pick wisely and do your work beforehand. When is the best time to do the work? When you're single. If you want to attract a better partner, if you want to have that relationship, the work you do to prepare during this time, getting to know yourself, getting to know what you want, what you need, what pisses you off and what you like, this is the time to do it. And once I shifted my mindset to that, I was like, oh, I don't want this time to end because I feel like I have so much, I have so much I want to do. Like I, yes, I'm excited to have a partner and possibly get married, but this time is so valuable in figuring out what you want. And I just know the more I work on myself, the better relationship I am calling in. And so I really want people to shift their mindset that it's such a gift to be single. It's such a gift to be able to get to know yourself. And especially if you have dreams and ambitions that this is the time to really go after them. So that's also a big part of my coaching is finding your purpose. And why are you here? What lights you up? What do you have passions that you're not pursuing? Because I don't know, nothing scares me more than getting married and 20 years from now wishing dang I wish I went after my goals I wish I went after my passions and dreams and so I'm really utilizing this time now to build the life that I want and think about the partner that I want and I want to help women do the same thing because it's so important and like I mentioned earlier part of my mission is to ultimately help people have better relationships so better relationships with themselves and then better relationships with their partners if that's what they want and like I said earlier with so many divorces happening and so much pain the pain that comes with divorce and the way people behave when they're going through breakups and divorces and separations like these are people at their worst their lowest lowest point and there's so much hurt and if there's anything we can do to prevent that then we have to we have to do the work to prevent it and even when you do the work to prevent it you're not necessarily going to prevent it because it's still inevitable that relationships will end people will outgrow each other and that's okay but I think as long as we can do it in healthy conscious ways and not toxic ways like a lot of relationships that I've seen. Yeah, I think it ultimately, you know, taking this time to work on ourselves, it gives us some tools for our toolkit so that A, we don't get into the relationship with the red flags. Mm-hmm. 
we don't ignore the red flags. And then we're also able to handle it better when, when it does end, that we have some coping mechanisms in place and we are aware of our attachment styles. We're aware of the patterns that we fall into. I know for me, you know, I was joking with a friend not too long ago because I tend to be very much attracted to the bad boy. Mm-hmm. And I had a friend who said, you know, well, maybe you need to just date someone who has a tattoo or something. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, taking this time to be on our own to really, to really kind of think about that. And why am I choosing the people that I'm choosing? And how does that relate to situations earlier in my life? And also recognizing, you know, like you said, this is such a sacred time. And I take this for granted quite a bit. But I, even in my relationships, I have not lived with a partner. Mm -hmm. I love my independence. And so I really have to when I finally do move in with that person, I think he has to be the one because it's going to take a lot for me to give that up. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, a lot of my friends and I think a lot of a lot of people when they get married, they've never lived on their own. Mm-hmm. And to be able to say, hey, I've I've lived on my own for X number of years. When things have broken, when things have gone wrong, I've had to personally deal with them myself, or I've had to find the right resources. And that has given me such a confidence that when I get into that relationship, that hopefully is for the rest of my life when I am, when it is time for that, Mm -hmm. that I don't need that person, but they're just, they're adding to my life Mm -hmm. and that I'm completely whole on my own, that I could do all of these things. And, you know, even now I, I love taking a solo trip and a lot of times I've done it out of necessity, but so many of my friends and relationships have kind of said, wow, I would never feel confident to do that, but Mm -hmm. you gain experiences and you grow because sometimes that time to yourself, it does, it causes you to challenge yourself a little bit more because maybe out of necessity, but you end up gaining really amazing experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's such a great point. Just, yeah. Even being able to live on your own and that's really just symbolic of enjoying your own company and liking yourself and being okay being alone because that is how you build a secure relationship and again that's the goal the goal is to have a secure relationship where you feel safe and that can be built within yourself where you feel safe within yourself and a lot of people are so scared to be alone because they don't want to be faced with their thoughts and emotions and these old wounds because it's too painful. And so it's so important, I think, to do that work regardless, because it's going to come up at some point in your life. And it could be years from now, when you're married, or maybe you go through a divorce, and then all these wounds get opened. But I think it's so important to just start examining yourself, being with yourself and liking yourself, liking your company. And I love I love what you said about solo travel. I'm the same way. I lived abroad and I love moving to new cities. I feel like I could live anywhere just because I love I I just enjoy my own company and I I have a dog so that helps, but um <laughs> <laughs> but I yeah, I think it's it's so important. And then, yeah, leaving space too for love, being open to call in love. But again, like you said, you can be whole on your own. We we aren't here to complete each other. We're here to be whole on our own. And then the love and the relationships that we have are just the added value, the cherry on top. Just building that baseline for yourself is so important. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think just, again, those those experiences that we have, that it builds our confidence. It teaches us so much. And the time is going to pass regardless. And that's what I tell people all the time when they ask me, well, why would you do this on your own? You could have done. And my thought is, I'm, I'm going to do it when I want to do it. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> that's it. I'm not waiting for Prince Charming to take me there. I'm, I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. Or I'll go with a friend of course, it would be nice working in community relations to have a consistent date to things. But aside from that, um, and aside maybe from someone to kill the bugs, in the apartment, yeah. like anything I want to do, I can do on my own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or I can hire someone or ask a friend or something like that. But for the most part, you know, you really learn to believe and trust in yourself, which I think is huge. I'd also love to know for those who maybe are comfortable in their time 
on their own and they've taken that time to do the work. You work a lot with manifestation and the law of attraction. And I'd love to know how that plays into what you do, whether that's manifesting that dream job or that purpose that we're all looking for or that next partner. Yes. Oh, I love manifesting. (laughs) Um, It's just so much fun. So I feel like I have this lens of manifesting and spirituality and yeah, law of attraction is all part of it. I, I have that lens in anything that I do, but I'm such a logical, analytical person and I have to know how things work and I have to know the science behind it. So that is something that I also like to read about and study about because I want to know how and why things are happening. But I discovered, so I started reading about the law of attraction after right after my first breakup. So it definitely tied into my healing process. And I figured out that each relationship I was attracting after that, because I've had a few serious relationships since then, they were just getting better and better. And I was getting clearer and clearer on what I wanted. And I would just have these these weird synchronicities of, of, okay, a relationship ended, this is why, and this is what I want in my next relationship. And then those things would come in my next relationship. And so I knew oh, this stuff works. This is really working. And I mean, I tap into it in whatever I do. And I don't want it to sound, maybe you're not into, you know, spirituality or you think it sounds woo-woo, but really it's just getting intentional about what you want, getting clear about what you want, and then getting out of our own way to get those things. So, I mean, manifesting just means making something come to fruition and you can manifest your next job. We're all doing it, whether we are spiritual or whether we believe in it or not, we're, we're manifesting everything. So you might as well get intentional and get clear about what you want. And we attract what we want based off of our subconscious beliefs. So like we talked about, everything that we develop from the age of zero to seven mostly is implanted into our our subconscious. So anything that we were told as children, maybe our our caretakers or our parents told us or shamed us for certain things, we internalize that and that's what we are attracting everything into our life based off those beliefs. But the good news is is we can tap into that, we can we can change it's neuroplasticity. That's that's the science that's like exploding everywhere because we can change these neural pathways in our brain to basically change our subconscious, change ourselves. And if we keep attracting certain relationships, so maybe like you said, you go for the bad boys. Well, you can you're aware of that. You can tap into that and you can get clear on the type of relationship you do want to attract. And I love what your friend said about the the tattoo because my belief is you can have it all. So whatever you like about the bad boy, you can have certain things. You know, you can have what you may think is the bad boy that's good for you. I think there's so many ways that we can paint this picture of what we want and what would work for us. And I personally don't like to take no for an answer. If someone doesn't think that I could do something or if someone doesn't think something's possible, I'm just going to figure out a way to make it happen. And I think that goes into the law of attraction and manifesting and it's leaving that space for the unknown. Maybe we don't know how how things will happen or we don't know how things will come to fruition, but knowing that they will happen or they can happen once you set that intention forward. Yeah, I think that's so important. And I definitely am someone who believes in that manifestation. But I also think even if you don't, if you're not clear on what you want, how are you going to go after it? And how are you going to even recognize it if it comes to you? And so I do think, you know, getting clear on that and understanding that, yeah, the I felt like I had a great childhood. I still do. But recognizing some of the things that took place during my childhood and the way that people communicate with one another and even just being a sick child and the way that I might have been treated by teachers and things like that as well, mm-hmm. that all of these things have shaped me. Um, I've found, I, I always laughed at this when I was younger, but inner child work and now hearing about it, even inner teen work, mm-hmm. I think that plays such a role because we really 
a lot of times you are that, you know, insecure, scared five-year-old or 13-year-old for that matter. Um, And I love what you said too about how we can have everything we want because every single relationship I've been in, the toxic and perfectly healthy ones, there are all great things about each of those people. And to really identify, you know, these are the things I really, really love about this person that I would love to see in my next relationship. And then here are the things that are an absolute no. And Mm -hmm. I think getting clear on that, that journaling is such a huge one for that to really understand these are the things that that happened that I I cannot have this happen again. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's so important. And it's, it's a lot of work. And if you're someone that has never really opened this this door, it can bring up a lot of old wounds. So yeah, like inner child work, like you said, because again, we really are just children inside. (laughs) Like we're Mm -hmm. still those children inside. We just have these masks on and we, we cover these old wounds, but we're, they're still guiding us in every way. Our subconscious is guiding everything we do to protect us. So it is for good reason. It's, it's our brain that wants to protect us, but it's also blocking us in so many ways. So if there is something that you want, you can get it. You just have to do the work to get out of your own way and dive deep and do the inner child work. And that's why I think therapy is so important. They're so beneficial. Working with a coach depends on, yeah, where you are at in your healing journey. You don't have to do it alone. And it helps to have someone to work with. Yeah, I think often we shouldn't do it alone because there are patterns that somebody from the outside is going to be able to see and even things that we're telling ourselves that we think are normal because we're in our own heads every single day mm-hmm. and that someone outside of ourselves can say, "Hey, would you know, would you would you accept this for your friend or are you noticing that X, Y, and Z took place and, you know, kind of having someone there to really guide you through it, I think is huge. I'd I'd love to ask you as well. So, you know, as far as that manifesting goes, we manifest that dream partner, but I think it can still be difficult when we've been in those patterns and it it could be a healthy relationship. And I think sometimes the the unhealthy roller coasters that we've had in the past, Mm -hmm. how do we, how do we recognize when we have something good and not fall into the patterns of self-sabotage? Because I think that can happen too. Mm, That's a great question. Well, it depends on what you mean by good and it depends on what you ultimately want. So what your dream relationship looks like. So that's why it's important to have that vision first and that clarity first and your non-negotiables, your deal breakers, have those in mind so that when you are in a healthy relationship and you're in touch and in alignment with yourself, you'll know that it matches what you want on your list. And our bodies are so intuitive and they really do tell us so much. So it's so important when you are in relationship to really get to get quiet, listen to your body, and I guess ignore your the, the mind chatter because our minds can go rampant when we're in relationship. But if we just really get in touch with ourselves, get in touch with our intuition and recognize that maybe our typical, again, your pattern is so important. Recognize your pattern. So if your pattern is to act anxious, just there's, I mean, there's so many exercises you can do and just, I mean, meditation is the biggest one to calm your nervous system. If you're an avoidant and you have this pattern of ending relationships because you feel like you're suffocating, it's important to really take a pause and question, is this my way of protecting myself? Am I acting out of fear? Fear and safety are big themes that will come up in relationship. How safe do you feel and what fears are coming up? And every person is so different. So that of course, it's not black and white, but that's why it's so important to get to know yourself, to know your intuition and build a relationship with your intuition. Because again, when those red flags, those bells go off, if you're in touch with yourself, you'll know, okay, this, this is happening and this is what has happened in the past and this doesn't feel safe. 
but it is so important because you will know better than anyone. And again, if you do feel like you're having trouble figuring that out, then talk to someone, work with someone, work through the process because it is a process. When people say you just know when you know, that always irritates me because mm-hmm. it, <laughs> and some people, some people do. That works for some people. But if you experience anxiety in relationship or anything else on the spectrum, you don't know right away. You don't know if you're with someone right away. Like it's a process. It takes time and you have to be present and work through it. And yeah, I think working with someone helps a lot. Definitely. And I think again, just to really trust in our intuition. And I think there have been so many times where something was a red flag to me, but throughout my life, I've had people tell me, well, you're kind of tough on people. And I decided not to trust that gut instinct. And I think that gut instinct can be so different from you know, because we also sometimes just ruminate on something and we're, you know, letting letting our minds run wild with a story. But sometimes that gut feeling or that knowing that, hey, this is something I did not sign up for, that we choose to ignore to give the benefit of the doubt. I think too much of that really spirals. Mm-hmm. And sometimes just learning to understand that, hey, this is my body telling me that this is not right. Speaking with a professional, I think for sure, to help us through that, but sometimes maybe not listening to, sometimes the people closest to us can give us well-meaning advice, but at the same time, they, they might have some of the same issues with the things, or maybe they want to see you in a relationship, and so they're trying to help, but they're not necessarily giving you the right advice for the particular situation. So I think having maybe that outside party, a coach or a therapist, mm-hmm. and again, listening to our body's cues. Yes, Absolutely. And just also having grace with yourself. It's like, we are humans. We are, it's all a learning process. You know, every person is different. Any, any relationship we have or interaction we have, it's with a totally different human. So it takes time to get to know each other, to learn the ins and outs of each other. And as long as you just stay curious and open-minded and having that self-awareness to want to be in a safe and healthy relationship and just if you need to have your deal breakers on your wall like put them on your wall because there's nothing worse than getting into a relationship and then it turns toxic or maybe you realized all these things you knew all these things months in or you knew them early on but you were in the honeymoon phase or you were just you wanted to be in a relationship and I just think just having that awareness as early on as possible of what you want can really help you get clear on what you're attracting and where you want to go because again it's not just to get in a relationship and stay in the honeymoon phase if you want to have a long-term healthy relationship like that honeymoon phase is going to wear off that dopamine is going to wear off your deal breaker list is going to come back up and you're going to say, why did I ignore these? So again, I encourage people to take advantage if, if they are single and yeah, it's, it's up to you, up to each person. And I think there's something exciting in that. It can be kind of scary and being alone. I, um, I don't love being alone a lot of the time. I think especially again, because of the societal standards and seeing group texts where everyone is congratulating on an engagement or a baby. And I'm like, Hey, I, I just celebrated one year of podcasting yeah. and it's a, it's a great accomplishment for me, but not always, you know, society doesn't always value if it's not one of those, you know, life stage moments mm-hmm. and really learning to recognize in ourselves and celebrate in ourselves that, Hey, we're using that time to do the things we want to do and getting clear on what we really want. And I think for all of us to really shift our mindset to that and recognize that what we want will come. And in the meantime, let's let's have some fun. Yes, yes. That's what I always say. <laughs> <laughs> That's why my, my word for this year is YOLO and I'm, I'm sticking to it. Yes, yes, I love that. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, this has been amazing. This has been such a fantastic conversation. And I think something that everybody needs to hear, especially those who might be going through a breakup, maybe they're kind of knowing they're at the end of a relationship and maybe not quite ready to cut the cord, but they know it's coming Mm -hmm. or at any point in their single life. I think, I think this is just so important to be discussing and for us to be thinking about before I let you go. And I want to get into everything that you're offering as a coach. Um, I'd love to switch gears and just ask you a few of our rapid fire questions for the listeners to get to know you a little more. Okay, let's do it. Wonderful. What is your top wellness tip? Oh, I said it before, but meditation and visualization. Yes, I absolutely love that. Mm -hmm. Where's your favorite travel destination? I'll have to say Prague, Czech Republic, because I lived there for a year. So it's, it's near and dear to my heart. That is lovely. It's on my list. Yes, it's amazing. Oh my goodness. Well, I will be sure to give you a call when I'm planning to go. Yes. You get the whole itinerary. Yes, I have it ready. (laughs) (laughs) Now, if you were an animal, what animal would you be and why? Oh, I think a leopard because I love leopard print and it's sexy, but also leopards are beautiful and fast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's a great answer they they really are cool and I I still think of leopard print as a neutral it goes with everything yes yes I love that um if you could master a completely new skill what would that be oh I really want to be fluent in another language so I Spanish or French is what I I I know some Spanish, but I want to be fluent. Like I want to go travel and speak. (laughs) Oh, that's been on my list for a while. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's definitely on mine. Um, I do my Duolingo every day. Yeah. Yes. And what's next on your bucket list? Next is yoga teacher training. So another thing, yeah, that's been on my vision board for a couple years is I want to get certified to be a yoga teacher and ideally would love to do like a month-long retreat maybe in Bali or Costa Rica or just somewhere just to disconnect and then also yeah getting certified in yoga so that is my goal this year. That's amazing. I wish you the best of luck with that. I think that is such a fantastic goal. And the the retreat sounds absolutely amazing and so much needed after two years of burnout and yes. pandemic craziness. Yes, I'm really craving it. I can, yeah, just to disconnect and, uh, and I live in the city, so it's very noisy. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm by a train station and I completely... <laughs> Yeah, all hours. Mm, yeah, it's very, um, you're probably used to it by now. And then I think we don't even realize how used to it we are. Yeah, it's that lullaby to help us sleep, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that. And I think I think that disconnecting is going to be just such a great opportunity. And, and the, you know, the certification too, it's another great way that you'll be able to help others and mm-hmm. also be able to provide that self-care for, for you. Yes, yes. We all need it. Yes. Well, Sarah, this has been absolutely lovely. This has been like therapy for me. So I truly (laughs) appreciate our conversation today. Before I let you go, let our listeners know how they can find you and how they can connect with you if they'd like to work with you and learn more. Yes. So I'm most active on Instagram and my handle is love.sarahmack and it's S-A-R-A-H-M-A-C. And then my website is love spack so love smac.com that's where they can find me and yeah and anything that you're offering that you'd like to share with listeners yes so I do one-on-one coaching and the package I'm offering right now is a three-month program so 12 weeks and it's one-on-one sessions every week and it can be anywhere on your journey so if Maybe you went through a breakup a year ago. Maybe you're considering it. And it's really just to help you move forward and move on and get excited about your life. Get creative with what you want to attract in your life. And whether you want to start a business or you want to move to a new city or attract your next relationship, that's where coaching, one-on-one coaching is so valuable to have that space. And we can design and create the life that 
you want to live and um, call in. And then I'm also working on a, I keep calling it breakup school. And (laughs) I'm currently interviewing women about their breakups. I've interviewed some men, but mostly women is who I will be working with. And this is to create a group program, a breakup program that will eventually become an online course that people can purchase. But yeah, it's to help navigate the breakup to healing process and getting to that sweet spot that I that I talked about earlier. That sounds absolutely amazing. I'm going to make sure to link all of this in the show notes okay. so that the listeners can get more information and go on your website and connect with you there as well. But I think this is just so lovely. And I so appreciate you coming on and for sharing with us today. This is such an important conversation for all of us. Yes, I really hope that it helped some people. And please message me on Instagram. I'm active on there. I love connecting and talking with people individually, whether I'm happy to set up coffee chats, like I've been doing virtual coffee chats with people just to get to know people and see what is needed. So do not hesitate to reach out. I absolutely loved connecting with Sarah on this topic and really enjoyed our conversation. Being single can feel especially lonely in your 20s, 30s, and beyond. So I think this was such an important conversation to have to help shift our perspectives a little bit and to realize that we're not alone. Sarah offers so many incredible resources. I've taken advantage of a few of them myself, and I encourage you to check them out and book a coffee chat with her so that you can learn more. I've linked Sarah's information in the show notes so that you can connect with her. And if this conversation resonated with you, I would love for you to share it on your socials and tag both of us. Now it is time for our Ask Me Anything segment. It is week two of Ask Me Anything, and I thought I'd go with a lighter topic this week. So our listener asks, what is your favorite reality show currently? Oh my gosh. So I am a huge reality TV junkie, and I swear to you, I do read books. I go to museums. I have classy adult interests, but I also love my reality shows. I'm pretty loyal to the Bachelor franchise even though the seasons haven't been as good lately. And usually I'm all over 90 Day Fiance and its spinoffs, but I haven't been as good at keeping up with that one recently. So I'd say my favorite right now is probably Married at First Sight, even though it's kind of a train wreck in recent years. I'm really rooting for Noi and Steve this season. If any of you are watching right now, despite the Noodlegate situation that took place, I really think that they're a cute couple and I think they can go the distance. So um, if you're watching, you'll have to let me know what you think as well. A close second right now would be Love is Blind. That one's pretty addictive too. And of course, if there's a reality show that I should be adding to this rotation, life is busy, but I always have room. So please let me know. Now, if you want to send in a question for our Ask Me Anything segment, you can email that question to me at Valerie at wellnessandwanderlust.net or DM me on Instagram at wellness and wanderlust blog. As you can see from the questions, I really look at a variety of topics. I'm here to answer pretty much anything you have within reason, and I cannot wait to see what comes in. As always, thank you for tuning in and for sharing this part of your day with me. We're at the point in the show where I share that if you enjoy the show, please share it with a friend, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're tuning in from, and reach out to me if you have topics or suggestions in mind. I am all ears and I love to hear listener feedback. Thank you so much again for tuning in this week, and I hope you all have a wonderful day.